You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Uh, 1 Peter uh, 2, 13-17 was last week, and the title was Living Free, or also known as Hard Things Part 2. Um, we were joking a little bit before service that this morning's message could be called Hard Things Part 3. We decided not to do that. Um, we're going to be in 1 Peter 2, 18-20, and the title is It's Your Job, Do It Well. But we're going to pray first over the word. Father, we thank you again for the freedom we have to meet today, to fellowship, to worship in song, to pray with and for each other. We thank you that we can freely open your word this morning. And we thank you that it's true, it's relevant and for every area of our life. That all scripture is inspired by you. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that each man and woman may indeed be adequately equipped for every good work. Thank you that through your word we learn who you are and we learn the purpose that you have for our lives. So this morning, Lord, would you bring healing and direction and correction through your word. We're surrendering our time to you and simply asking that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we walk through Peter, we talk about strength, we've talked about hope, but it's also a reminder that we've gotta have a, we we need to have a, a doctrine of suffering as well. We're all going to suffer, we're all going to have trials, we're all going to have struggles, but as Christians we can love God, we can love each other, and we can indeed suffer well. All with the strength of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's active in our lives and, and the word of God that's guiding us. And at the time that Peter wrote this, one third of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves who were considered human tools They were worthless, easy to throw away and replace. Roughly estimated at 60 million slaves. But even though there were slaves, there were doctors, teachers, stewards, uh, secretaries, musicians, artists, but none of them had any rights whatsoever. That Peter had taught that they could always choose how they responded to their masters. And the same is true for us. Although our employer may give us many, may not give us many choices, it may even be unreasonable, we have the ability to choose how we're going to respond. When you treat your boss with respect, God is glorified. And as a boss, when you treat your employees with respect, God is glorified. During this time in church history, remember that many who stood steadfast for Christ were being persecuted and mistreated even to the point of death. However, their testimonies were never in vain. That's a reminder for us that even you, your testimony is never in vain. Whenever you do what you know is in line with God's will, 
but then they're punished for it. We need to remember, we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> don't fear. You've pleased the Lord. You've been faithful in your walk. He'll bless your faithfulness. Be patient in those difficult times. Don't complain. Don't be disheartened, but, but take courage and endure because the Lord will vindicate and reward you in due time. So we can, as we've read the last few weeks, continue to do as Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, not losing heart and doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Sounds so easy. How many of you are a little weary? <laughs> Keep going. Keep walking. Don't be weary. How many of you love your job? Where's Kiersey? Oh, her hand's up. Okay, I'm just checking. How many of you love country music? I put you in the same line as in and out Burger then. Just kidding. It's interesting that most of country music is about losing your wife, your house, and your dog. Soon they'll be singing about losing your truck because it was self-driving. But you know what happens when you play country songs backwards, right? Get your house back, get your wife back, get your dog back. Some of you may know an older country singer, Johnny Paycheck. You know who that is? Maybe you don't know that name, but you might recognize a song that said, take this job and... I didn't want to say it. <laughs> wow. Pretty confident in that, aren't you? He lost his love, the love of his life. Nothing else mattered, including his job. He ended up in prison eventually. He's no longer on the planet passed away years ago. But many, many years before that letter, or before that song was written, there was a letter written by Peter, and that's what we're talking about. Peter wrote this letter telling Christians to take their job and to love it, to do it well, literally living your life in such a way that your actions leave a compelling testimony. The last two weeks, we've talked about being a good citizen and how we're to treat the government. Today we chat about the employee and the employer, how our actions set the example. Next to time at home, the job is where you spend most of your time. So since we spend so much time at work, it becomes an amazing stage where the grace of God can be visible for unbelievers. The reality is that we're to do as Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The reality is that there's times that you'll actually make a greater impact than a pastor and an evangelist can because you're working with people that they or, or people that I can't reach that I cannot even speak to. And Peter's addressing the theme of living your life in such a way that your very life is compelling. It's a compelling Christian testimony. In other words, the world is always watching to see why we do what we do and believe what we believe and then why they might do something like we're doing. Remember back in verse 12, Peter said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. That's the, that's the theme here. Basically, here's how to live your life before an unbelieving world in an honorable way. Living as a Christian in relationship to the government and with society, uh, with those who live around us. 
the last two weeks submitting and subjecting to our leaders as good citizens, now socially as employee and employer. And in our text, this ancient slave and his master. And since there were so many slaves, the gospel was bound to reach many of them. The churches all over the empire were bound to be filled with slaves. For this reason, the New Testament has much to say to slaves. However, slavery is never directly attacked by the New Testament. If it had been, there would have probably been so much bloodshed, the scene would have been unimaginable. The slave owners and government would have attacked the church and the preachers and believers seeking to destroy such a doctrine, reacting by killing all of the Christian slaves. So here in another New Testament passages, we see slavery accepted as an institution, not formally condemned, but also not approved of. But through the genuine movement of Christ in lives, gradually shifting a society by being steadfast in faith. A a change in behavior because Christian principles are true. And that's what we're counting on as believers today. We're counting on changing the atmosphere around us because we're genuine followers of Christ. Remember Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That needs to be our focus. Francis Folks says, uh, the principles of the whole section apply to employees and employers of every age, whether in the home, in the business, or in the state. So according to our text, the workman is to do four things. One, submit with all respect. Two, submit to the good and the unfair master or employer. Three, submit for conscience' sake, being conscious of God. And four, submit in order to secure God's commendation. So submit with all respect, the first part of verse 18 of 1 Peter 2. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. So there we are back to subject, submit, obey. He or she is to follow the instructions of the person that is over them in authority. This, of course, does not mean that we're to obey when the orders are contrary to the teaching of Scripture or damaging to yourself or to others. But it does mean that Christians, the Christian workmen, is to do what they're told to do. Why? Because we've been given the privilege of a job, the privilege to earn a livelihood, to provide for our families, to serve humanity through providing some needed product or service, to earn enough help to to meet the desperate needs of the world, to, to also help in spreading the gospel message to the world. See, and God is watching your diligence. God is going to reward you for your diligence and and that the heavenly work that is to be awarded you is to be determined by your faithfulness and your diligence upon this earth. Peter already told us in 1 Peter 1.17 that if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. That next piece is to submit to the good and the unfair master or employer. That's a harder one, isn't it? 
1 Peter 2.18, the last part of that verse, it says, not, to, not only to those who are good and gentle, but to those who are unreasonable. How many of you have an unreasonable boss? Again, looking for Kiersey's hand. No, I'm just kidding. As a Christian worker, we're to submit ourselves to both the good and the unfair master. And there's two things to note here. One, it's, it's a wonderful thing, an amazing thing when, when someone who is a Christian and is working, when they can have a, a good or gentle master or a gentle employer, a gentle boss. It's even more wonderful when an employer himself is a Christian. Under a good and gentle employer, the, the workman can expect to be treated justly, fairly, in a brotherly spirit even. However, the workman faces a serious danger, a danger of feeling that he or she is entitled. Entitlement seems to be rapidly growing across our nation, doesn't it? People feel entitled. But as a Christian, working for a Christian employer, sometimes we feel like maybe we can be, you should be given special treatment or be allowed to slack off a little bit, treated with a little more leniency or given more consideration or not to be as readily corrected or rebuked for inefficiencies or mistakes. Guys, we all have to guard against that. The big idea is that the Christian workman is to give a great service to a Christian employer because faithfulness bears fruit. Both the workman and the employer doing the best that they can do is gonna bear more fruit, fruit of the Spirit, and a greater production of work, right? If you're on the same page together and you're both believers and you're doing everything you can, well, God blesses that. Thereby together, they bear great testimony for Christ. And two, there's the Christian workman's duty to the unfair, to the cruel master or the cruel employer. The Christian workman is to subject even to the overbearing and the crooked employer. Why would Scripture demand such a thing? 1 Timothy 6 1 says, All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. I've asked you that question before. Does, does everybody where you're working, do they know? that you're a Christian? Do, do they know that you have faith in God? Is it evident? Or are you a secret service Christian? God does not want his name blasphemed. He, he wants no believer failing in his duty to love and to witness to all men. God wants all men and women to be one to Christ. Remember, for God so loved the world. It's all men, all women, no matter who they are or how unfair or cruel they may be. And this may be a bitter pill to swallow. It's hard to live in that space, isn't it? I know I've prayed with people within this church that have said, man, my, my working conditions right now are so hard. Things are so heavy. Oh, man, I need God. I need some direction. I need strength. What's often overlooked is this. If the workman does not give a full day's work for a full day's wages, then he dishonors the name of Christ. 
If the workman is lazy or slothful or beating time or disrespectful, the employer or supervisor knows something. They learn something from that activity and that behavior. They learn that the God of the new covenant is a laugh. He's inactive. He's dead. He's made no difference in the life of that person. So the employer or the supervisor then blasphemes the name of God, of his teachings, the teachings of the gospel, because of how we act and react. We must be genuine in our faith, even in those hard times. The third piece of submitting for conscience sake, being conscientious or conscious of God First Peter 2.19, for this finds favor if for the sake of the conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. A.T. Robertson says, suffering is not a blessing in and of itself, but if one's duty to God is involved, then one can meet it with gladness of heart. What is our focus? What is our perspective? Is our perspective right? Is it correct? Is it our eyes fixed on God. You see, the conscience is, the, is best understood in the sense of consciousness. It means prompted by a conscious awareness of God's presence and of God's will. Such a man knows that God sees and, and knows what God expects. How do we know that? How do we know what God sees and expects if we're not in God's word and we're not spending time in prayer? We're not pursuing him. God's workman's concern is to truly please God in all things, at all times. The reality is that the Christian workman is to subject himself to his master or is to his employer in order to please God. Remember we say that little thing at the end of every service, may your faith be seen and God be glorified in all that you do because that's what we're supposed to be doing, pleasing God. God loves all the employers, no matter how unjust or unfair. God wants every employer to be reached for Christ. Here's that sobering moment. Think about this. It is possible that you may be their only hope of salvation. Maybe you're struggling in that job right now. Maybe God put you there so you can bring some hope that you could bring some encouragement, that you could bring the gospel to them. And if you're failing and working as unto the Lord, you're living a lie and walking contrary to God's standard, possibly pointing your boss in the direction of hell as opposed to heaven. Acts 24, 16 says, in view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before God and before men. Well, that's just a, re- excuse me, that's just a reminder that, that we should just be doing things right on a daily basis, <laughs> right? We should be living our life in a godly way. We should be doing things that honor God on a daily basis. That's why we should be in the word and in prayer at the start of every day so we can do the right thing, so we can have wisdom, so we can persevere and press in. Submitting in order to secure God's commendation. Verse 20, 
For what credit is there if we, if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it. Well, this finds favor with God. It's not saying that salvation is by works, but, but that by working hard, we're doing the right thing and thereby we're pleasing God and we're being that witness. In fact, that a person might suffer for doing good has nothing to do with it. We say it every Sunday morning when we start, right? God is good. Amen. (laughs) Therefore, for a person to please God, the person then must do good. It's not enough for us just to say it every Sunday morning. We need to live it. Are you living in such a way that shows that God really is good? That, that he is engaging? You know, as we were singing that song at the end there, man, what is it that we're, we're worshiping God? He, he loves us unconditionally. What is it that we're expressing to him? And does that come out in our lifestyle? Let me put this verse in context. It's talking about Christian slaves and workmen. It does no good and there is no glory to suffer for wrongdoing. But if you do good and people mistreat you for doing good, well, then you're pleasing God. The point is this. The Christian workman is to work heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. That's exactly what Scripture declares. Colossians 3, 23 through 25. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of that wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. That word heartily means out of the soul. God kind of took me back this week to, as I'm in my prayer time and my devotions, of what is it we're supposed to be? What is that posture we're supposed to have on a daily basis? And right back to, Lord, how may I serve you? Can we all start there? Put all the other stuff aside for a minute and just simply say, God, how can I serve you? The Christian worker's labor is to arise out of the soul from the the innermost part of our being. You and I, we're not working for men and women of the earth, but we're working for the Lord. Is that visible? Is that seen? And when I was doing remodeling work and I'd have my daily check-in with Pam and from time to time and she, time to time she'd say, well, what you doing? 
<laughs> setting cabinets for Jesus. <laughs> you know, and then we said it kind of sarcastically and, you know, what are you doing? All I'm, you know, reviewing documents for Jesus. But the reality is we are. And, and even in that construction setting, and there's always opportunity to pray with and for people. Always. I've led people to the Lord in their living room, in the dining room, in the front porch. I've prayed for people. There's always an opportunity to glorify God in what we're doing. We are, we're not working for the men of this earth. We're working for the Lord. There's two critical reasons why he works, why we should be working diligently. Diligent work will be rewarded by Christ. On the earth, we may be mistreated, we may be used, we may be misused, abused, or cheated, maybe even bypassed or even taken advantage of, but the Lord knows. God knows. He understands. He sees where you're at. He's going to abundantly reward the diligent workman. In fact, the reward of the inheritance includes a new body that will be eternal new heavens and a new earth, positions of an enormous leadership and authority and service for the Lord. We're not done. When we, when we are done here on earth and we're in heaven, we're not going to be floating on a cloud with a harp. God's got stuff for us to do there. And we're going to be worshiping him. We're going to be engaging in a whole new life. So everything we do here counts towards what we're going to be doing in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's what you're doing is not in vain. Make sure you keep the proper perspective. Even in the aspect of, I know we have a lot of retirees in the room. Show me in the Bible going to hurt, isn't it? Where we retire. Like you're always going to have something to do. God has something for you. Be ready to engage in that. But the other side of this, a slothful work or idleness, it's going to be judged by Christ. Many workers do wrong on the job. They, they are slothful or lazy, irresponsible, unconcerned, unproductive, uncaring, Prejudiced, careless, selfish, unfair, cheating, stealing, lying. That list could go on and on, couldn't it? Because that's human nature, isn't it? That's what we have to push back from. Matthew 25, 23 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many more things. Enter into the joy of your master. That's where I want to be. <laughs> well done. As opposed to coming underneath the judgment of Jesus for the things that I did wrong. Because in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The point is this. Every single person on earth is gonna face God. Every single person. That wrong that we have done, it's gonna be laid right out there before God. 
we will give an account for our labor. So we've got to develop a doctrine of working as unto the Lord, that we've got to be the ones who are setting the example. We've talked about it before, and it doesn't matter which job I've worked at or wherever I've been, whether it was at CCU or working on a construction site, working for uh, Home Depot or Builder's Square, walking into those positions pretty soon, and people are calling me Pastor Scott. Well, I never walked in and said I was Pastor Scott. Why would they do that? That's what I was doing. I was pastoring, I was shepherding. Where are you at? How do you engage with people? Do they know that you're a Christian? Would they call you out on that in a good way? Not saying, oh, you're one of those Christians. But are you setting that example? Are you being an encouragement? Are you setting the example that others may follow? Are you engaging? See, one of the things that we have to remember is that as we are working, our jobs are all valuable. God has given you a job for a reason, for a purpose. He has brought you across people that you interact with that I cannot interact with for a reason. You're you're in that job, you're being paid so you can meet the needs of your family, so you can support ministry, so you can spread the gospel. But on the other side of that, you have to know and understand that you have a vocation. You have a calling towards ministry. What is it that God is stirring within you that you need to be doing? The the cool thing about my job and my vocation is I get to do it and get to be paid for it. That doesn't normally happen. When I'm out setting cabinets, (laughs) I'm a cabinet guy and I'm being a pastor on the job site. That's what God has called me to do. What is it that God has called you to do in ministry where you are, where you're working, where you're engaging, where you're serving? Are you pursuing that? Do you even know? What are those gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you and are you using them? Whether it's through teaching, maybe doing a Bible study, being that encourager, maybe it's singing, playing an instrument, Maybe it's hands of service, like you have the ability to serve and do things and and engage in a different way. But what is it that you're doing? Are you using those things that God has given you in such a way to glorify him and to expand his kingdom? So do everything that you do as unto the Lord, whether it's in serving within the church or within your community, or it's being in the job place. Make sure you do it well to glorify God. I'm thankful for the influence. It seems to be coming a lot lot lately because we're talking about building. But I'm thankful for the influence that that I received from Doyle, from my stepdad. Teaching me integrity. Teaching me to own my mistakes. Teaching me to stand strong in my faith. To not be fearful to pray with somebody on a job site. Those are the things that we need to do and be ready for. Yeah, there's attacks and there's pushback. But God gets the glory every time we step out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reality today as we study your word about being a worker or or even being the boss. But Lord, that it has nothing to do with our commitment to life, 
and work. It's because as a Christian, whether we are slave or master, we're to do the very best that we can do. We're, We're to set the example for others. We're to be that encouragement. We're to be that example on a continuous basis. So Lord, this morning, I'm asking that you would help us do that individually. God, if we're, if we're doing things wrong, would you help us to see it? Would you forgive us? Would you help us to be good stewards of the provision that you've given us? Help us to protect our, our, our jobs. Help us not to move until you tell us to, until you give us that opportunity. Lord, would you help our attitudes and, and our actions, Lord, Lord, that they would not be dictated by, by where we are mentally, physically, spiritually, or even emotionally, but Lord, would you help us to be steadfast in doing our very best, in doing everything as we're doing it unto you. So Lord, help us to take that step back and just say, Lord, how may I serve you in the space I'm at right now? in that job, in school, in retirement, being the worker, being the boss. Lord, how may I serve you and glorify you in the midst of that? Because Lord, I truly want to work as I'm doing it unto you. Let that be our attitude, Father. Jesus' name. You know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this as an employee, if we're going to do this as an employer, it all starts with that restored relationship with God. It all starts with that that salvation experience, that opportunity to ask for forgiveness of your sins and have a restored relationship with God. Once we understand that Jesus came here to be the ultimate sacrifice for us, the ultimate sacrifice, It changes our life. It changes our perspective. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because Jesus went to that cross for you and for me, because his body was broken, his blood was shed shed for us, he went to the tomb for three days, and then he rose again because of that action, because he did that, because he was obedient to what he was called to do, you and I have the opportunity to have a restored relationship with the Father. We simply have to repent and believe. That is that we have to ask for forgiveness of our sins and we have to turn from doing them and we have to believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again for us individually. That brings that restored relationship with God. In his word, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's for all of us. That's the simplicity of it. He's ready right there for you. If that's you today, you can be forgiven. You can ask Christ to be Lord of your life. So I'm gonna ask everybody in the room, bow your heads, close your eyes. Those of you listening online or on the radio later, this is for you as well. If that's you and you would say, Scott, I I need that relationship. I need that hope of salvation. 
I'm going to ask you to say a simple prayer. And again, it's just a conversation from your heart to God's heart. Pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive today. And I repent. Forgive my sins. I turn from them. He's come into my life today. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me to share hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I want to know. We can chat after service. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to get you some information. If you prayed online or on the radio, email me, scott at foothillscalvary.org and I'll reach out to you as well. Um, this morning is the first, this is the first Sunday of the month. It's already December. Um, and we get to have community together as a family, as the body of Christ. Uh, we, we celebrate open communion, which means you don't have to be a member, so to speak. Um, but according to scripture, you do have to be a follower of Christ. You do have to be a Christian. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, that's what we do. We celebrate. We celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Not the brutality of the cross, but because what happened on the cross brings us salvation. And what we just prayed about brings us that rest, restored relationship with God. It brings us hope. It brings us strength. As you know, we do this as a family once a month. If you want communion, you can have it every Sunday. It's always out there on the little table. You can always have communion. But my prayer this morning is as we take these elements, is that what Christ did on the cross would resonate with you, that, that you would take a moment, that you would take that time to reflect, maybe even take a minute to, to say thank you, or maybe you've been struggling and you need to say, God, forgive me. Help me get things back on track. Thank you that you love me that much. See, nobody should leave today feeling any guilt, any remorse for anything in the past, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the fact that he's not dead, he's alive. And you're forgiven. You're forgiven. We don't need to live in that guilt. By holding these elements, it's us remembering that we know that God loves you that much. He loves you and has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the cup that we hold, the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ, John says, cleanses us from all sins. That's what we're remembering. He loves you that much. This morning as we have communion while Josh leads us in worship, I'm gonna ask you to, to come down and try to stay on the inner side of the aisle as you come down front. And um, we have two cups uh, the top cup is the juice. The bottom cup has the cracker in it. Um, if you do need gluten-free, it's here as well. Just let them know, and they can get that to you if you need gluten-free. Um, but we're as we come down, we're going to have some songs. We're going to sing a little bit, and I just encourage you, as you go back to your seat, just take that moment to pray and to reflect. And then I'll come back up, and, and we'll have communion together. I'll read some scripture, and we'll pray together. And we'll take the elements together as a family this morning. So let's all stand. And I just invite you to come down.
take the elements and then back to your seat. is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In Mark 14, 22, it says, while they were eating, he took some bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to him. He said, take it, this is my body. It's a symbol. It has so much power to it. Father God, we thank you that you loved us so much, that, that you had a plan from the, the beginning of time to restore a broken relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to step out of the beauty and majesty of heaven to, to leave the, the power behind to come here onto the earth to, to be a baby that had to be taken care of, to become a man, knowing that your feet, as they walked on the ground, were heading to a cross where your body was broken where it was hung, all because you love us. We thank you for loving us, Jesus. Let's eat together. When he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. 
He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Jesus, once again, we thank you for shedding your blood for us, that by your stripes, we are healed. That you brought healing, you brought salvation, you brought deliverance. And then as you hung on that cross and the blood drained from your body, it was to cover our sins. Thank you for loving us that much, for giving it all up for us. Let's drink together. Father God, we love you. And we thank you that you love us. And Jesus, we thank you that you didn't stay on that cross, that you didn't stay in that tomb, that you rose again. And because of that, we can have a restored relationship with the Father. Because of that act, we can have the Holy Spirit present in our lives to guide us and direct us. We thank you that you continue to work through us. So help us not to forget, help us to remember as you told us in scripture, to do this in remembrance of you, help us to never forget. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.